being fake is just so exhausting. It's exhausting when you're experiencing it from somebody else, and it's exhausting when you are being fake yourself, and you're trying to project something that you really aren't, trying to hold on to something, some image that you really aren't. Um, being fake is so exhausting, and, and we've been taking a look at that. We're second week in for a full few weeks series where we're, we're looking at the ideas of how uh, we can be free from that. Because Jesus himself said, if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. And it's the idea of not being fake, not settling for fake things in our lives, about being genuine, about being real, about not being the ideal profile picture always, about understanding that uh, you know, there are bumps along the way and those kinds of things. This idea of embracing the truth and being free. And sometimes, as we said last week, sometimes we think embracing God's truth means that it actually limits life, where the reality is it does free life. And so we've been talking about that. We've been thinking about this idea of being released and being free and being free from this fake book kind of culture that we find ourselves living in and having to experience all the time. And again, Jesus speaks about uh, knowing the truth and being free from that. And in one of the areas that uh, you and I may find ourselves being fake or experiencing a fakeness is in this whole idea of feelings and uh, this whole idea of fake feelings and how that impacts us. And uh, really, uh, the feelings of our lives are really warning lights of our lives. And sometimes we try to push them away. Sometimes we try not to acknowledge them. But they're, in the same way, a warning system on the dashboard of our lives, just like there's warning systems on the dashboard of your car. But yet, sometimes we try to do what this news reporter uh, discovered. I hope you are not one of those people who has a warning light come on inside your car, and then you just put tape over it. I was chatting with <laughs> the auto man, Brian Bowersock, during the commercial break, and he said, yeah, some people have warning lights come on in their car, and they just, they just put tape put over tape it. Over it. just don't want to see it. Well, that way it's not shining in your face, you know. <laughs> right, because who cares about a warning light? But you're here to talk to us. Do you know what these mean? <laughs> There's lots of these warning signals. Uh, this is one site I found in uh, 56 in this, this list here. Actually, no, 64, excuse me. And, uh, you know, so there are a lot of these little warning things. And, and just like the news reporter said, sometimes uh, we put tape over them. We pretend that they're not real. Uh, I came across this one recently, and uh, this one was put out there. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, my wife said it's cold outside and the car is having st trouble starting. And now a picture of a man on a toilet has come up on the dashboard. So that's the way she read it. Not negative four degrees, but something else. So 
So, you know, you know these, these little warning signals, but what you do with those, um, you know, what, what do we do with them? Uh, how do we respond to these warning signals? We have them in our car. Um, watch uh, Penny as she deals with it, and some of us have maybe dealt with it the same way. Thank you for driving me to work. You know this is my day off, Sheldon. Oh, good. I'm not keeping you from anything. <laughs> Your check engine light is on. Mm-hmm. Typically, that's an indicator to, you know, check your engine. It's fine. It's been on for like a month. Well, actually, that would be all the more reason to, you know, check your engine. Sheldon, it's fine. If it were fine, the light wouldn't be on. That's why the manufacturer installed that light, to let you know it's not fine. Uh, maybe the light's broken. Is there a check the check engine light light? Thank you for driving me back to my hotel. Oh, it's not a problem. I was going to ask Leonard to do it, but he seemed a bit emotionally unstable, and you don't want someone like that operating heavy machinery. No, you do not. Your check engine light is on. Yeah, I gotta put a sticker over that. <clears throat> so, um, Amy, Sheldon tells me you're a neuro something or other? Neurobiologist. Your check engine light is on. <laughs> but the light indicates... Don't bother. I've wasted many an hour tilting at that particular windmill. Thanks again for taking me to the pharmacy. Oh, it's no problem. Is everything okay? Oh, I'm fine. It's just some uh, stomach medication for my trip. Uh, there's a remote yet distinct possibility that I may end up in South America. Remember the old days when I would have said something dumb like, why? Uh, that doesn't sound good. Remember the old days when I used to point out that your check engine light was on? Yes. Get ready to stroll down memory lane. Penny, you're checking. Yeah, I know. It's on, Sheldon. Oh, no, 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 no. I cannot afford this right now. Maybe it's just something minor. <laughs> oh, good news. The light just went out. <laughs> So you get the idea. How often do we ignore the check life light that is on in our life? And the check warning light that is in our life, on the dashboard of our life, is something that God provided for us in the idea, the concept of feelings. You see, feelings are the dashboard warning lights of our lives. And often we stuff them, we don't relate to them, we don't deal with them, we just we just keep them deep down inside. And when we don't identify them, when we put a piece of black tape over them in our own life or in somebody else's life, it actually eventually eventually causes our life to, in a sense, overheat. 
to gum up the engine, it stops working. And many times those feelings, those warning lights of life can be on for a while, can be on for months, but eventually, eventually those warning lights do go off and mess with our life and cause the engine not to function. Uh, Solomon writes of this in, in Proverbs 4.20. If you want to turn there, open up there on your electronic device, if you have version or something like that, the verses will also be on the screen. It's also available in that Bible you'll find around you. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, a, a paper Bible, and you want one, please feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. But Proverbs 4.20 says this, and it leads in, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And he's about to say something. He's building it up. I don't know when the last time you were on an airplane or not, and they pull out the little thing, and they start going through where all the uh, emergencies, and they start off by, may I have your attention, please? And you just look around, and unless you're not a frequent flyer, mo most people aren't even looking. They're not even, they're not even paying attention. There's no attention. No one really cares. They've heard it before. Yeah, I flew on a different plane. They really, they're, alone. they're just not moved by that. And, but these are the same kinds of words that Solomon is using here in Proverbs. He's saying, give me your attention. Listen up. I'm about to share with something with you that is, that is life-changing, life-saving. And then there's that familiar verse many of us are aware of. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything. Everything. Your heart, your soul, your will, your mind, the immaterial part of you, your, your, the, the, the part where things weigh heavy, that, that where those responses come from, inside your heart, guarded, because everything in life comes from it. So watch for the warning lights. Even when those feelings are not accurate, even when those feelings are accurate in your life and somebody else's life, they are warning lights. And we can't just put a piece of tape over them. Because when we do, everything eventually comes to a halt. In order to guard your heart. You've got to own your feelings. We've got to own our feelings. So when you and I, as a person, have these feelings, have these inclinations, these thoughts come to mind, we've got to own them, not dismiss them. We've got to say, why are they there? Where are they coming from? What do they mean? I have to reconcile them. If you're a Christ follower, you have to reconcile them with what would be in aligned with God's will, with God's understanding of things. In another venue, I've shared this story where one time I, I came home and uh, the girls were young and they, they all wanted this $5 item. I can't remember what it was, 
But for them, they said it would cha basically change their lives, whatever it was. It was something, I don't know if it was from the dollar store or whatever. It's funny how at the dollar store, there's things that are more than a dollar. But anyway, the, the, each one was going to be $5, so $15. And my reaction to that was, was harsh. I, you know, what are you you're always trying to spend? You know, it, it was harsh. And then I had to stop and realize, why did I have that response? Where, where did those feelings come from? They really weren't fitting for $15 worth of stuff. It really wasn't a big deal. Come on, cheap dad. Pay 15 bucks and make your three girls happy. That's, that's, that's pretty reasonable. But there was something in it. See, I had to slow down, and I had to realize that just that day I had had a, an expense for the car that might have been like $800, and I was still reeling from that. And so the reason I reacted that way was because of that. You see, it was those feelings were telling me something. Fortunately, in that case, I said, why did I react that way? And I realized it was because of this $800 expense. And I said, so, so, so I identified that's why I had all that reaction. So, so why? Why is this a problem? It was an older car at the time. Uh, you talk about financial peace. I, I should have known that eventually it was going to break down. It's because I wasn't prepared. And then there was the mix in there. Thank you, God, for, you know, giving me an $800 bill. You know, so, so there's all these kinds of things going on. And in that case, not every case, but in that case, I let the warning signals, the warning lights of my feelings speak into my life. I asked, why did I say that? Why did I respond that way? Now I, now I need some change. But see, many times in Christian circles... We're taught to suppress our feelings, not to ask, why are they there? Ignore them. Suck it up. Pretend that uh, it's not bothering you, rather than slowing down and saying, what does this mean? We have to ask that. And so we, we present fake feelings, like we, we hold it all together. And I'm not saying if you're, you're losing it, you should just let it all out. But you should ask, what's going on? And you stuff it down. Other people, they, you see a little glimpse of something, and, and you, you just kind of just let it go. You see, these feelings, these inclinations, these perspectives, whatever you want to call them, are warning lights. They mean something. David was in this situation in Psalm 13, and it's thought that either he was running from Saul, if you remember the story, uh, this David had been uh, anointed as king, he was going to be the king, he had done nothing wrong, he had actually supported Saul, but Saul was out to get him because he was threatened by him. Again, that would have been a good thing. Why does Saul feel threatened? What are those feelings? What does that mean? But David's on the run. Other commentaries wonder if this is when his um, son Absalom rebelled and took over the kingdom and he was running. So, so this, this is a hard time. So this is what, what David is feeling. You re we read, how long, Lord, will you forget me? 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle my thoughts day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. These aren't clean, nice feelings. These are real feelings. And some of us have experienced some of these feelings. We think God's forgotten us. We, we, we think life's coming to an end. Our minds are filled with all of this anxiety and stress and betrayal and, and on all of this stuff. Some of it's amplified, whatever it may be. And we're at this place. But what does David do? David, in a sense, confesses his feelings. He expresses his feelings. He's, he's, he's taking them as a warning. Something is wrong within my spirit. This, these mean something. I'm not going to pretend that I don't feel this way. I'm going to embrace the way I feel and try to figure out what it means, where, where I'm in the right, where I'm in the wrong. Because all of us have had those times where we've had a feeling and, and, and we've realized the feeling has a, has a source that's not accurate. So we have to come to terms with that. A little story about the $15. Or sometimes we have a feeling it is accurate and we've got to come to terms with it. What does this mean? How does, how does this affect the way I live and interact with the world that's around me? So David gets it all out there. He says, this is the way I'm feeling, right or wrong. And he, and he shares it directly to God. He, he, he prays it. He, he expresses God. He's not like hiding it because God sees his heart. And he expresses it. And then I don't think immediately, but I think in the expressing it, identifying these feelings, saying what they, they mean to him, he comes to another area where he has to change the confession of feelings, that expression of feelings to trust. He says, but I trust in you, your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. David is in the middle of this turmoil, whatever it may be. He's feeling all this stuff. Some stuff is real, some stuff is not real, whatever, and he's feeling all of this. And then he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to take those feelings and I need to integrate them with the God that I follow. And some of that means trust. Some of that means looking back to where God took care of things where God delivered me. Maybe if it was with Saul, he's, he has to look back to the time he had his battle with um, Goliath. And he goes, you know, if a kid can beat Goliath walking with God, I guess I'm only going to be okay when it comes to this Saul. Or maybe if it's Absalom, he goes, if I could have survived Saul and hidden out and, and made it through all these things, if I could go through that, Absalom is not going to be my downfall. I don't know what it was, but he comes to a point where he can trust God. And if you know God as your personal God in your life, as your Savior, I have to believe that you have at least one experience 
where he could say, there he put all the pieces together. He put, so, so because of that one experience back here, I can trust him here. And I got to ask myself, why don't I trust him? Maybe I need to just rehearse those things. Maybe I need to remember how God has taken care of me, how he has been my shepherd, how he has watched over me. So now I can go from a moment of despair to actually a moment of joy and anticipation and hope because I know how he's worked in the past and I know he's going to work that way again. So it's not about, oh, I shouldn't have these feelings. I don't, these feelings don't belong. I'm going to pretend they don't belong. If, when we stuff them down, eventually our engine overheats. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you have a feeling, you need to react to it or a thought. Sometimes there is this concept that we fake it till we make it. You don't do every moment. But there's this, there's this threshold. There's this tipping point. And I can't tell it where it is for you, but there's a tipping point where faking it till you make it goes bad. There are sometimes I get up in the morning and I do something even though I don't feel like it. And it's a good thing. I got out of bed and went and did what I needed to do. I, I, I was faking it. I bump into somebody from church and I'm like, hey, how you doing? They're like, hey, how you doing? And inside I'm going, I'm doing terrible. You know, I'm, I'm moving through it. That's okay. Up to a point. I can't tell you when it's not okay, but there's a moment where, where faking it goes wrong. Uh, there's this idea that it's said we need to control our spirit. He that has no rules over his own spirit, his heart, his soul, his, feel, his feelings, is like a city that is broken down without walls. There's got to be some discipline. There's got to be some control. For as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. All those concepts. So there, there is a time and a moment for fake it till you make it. But if that's not happening, you don't keep faking it until you make it. I've met people that have just been faking it. And eventually, the inside is hollow. They faked it too long. They didn't deal with their feelings. They didn't acknowledge their feelings. They just, just kept piling it up. Because if we keep faking it, eventually we break it. And we break us. David writes of this when he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groan through my groaning all day long. He, the heaviness, he was silent, he, he stuffed it, he, it ate him up inside. All of you can talk probably about a story where you had this feeling and it, and it, and it, and it could have been from something real, but it, it was just captivating your soul. It was in there and you, and, you, and you just kept pushing it back, but it was just taking over. And, and you've got to deal with it. You've got to ask, why do I feel this way? What do I do with these feelings? How do they align with God's preferred will for my life? How do they fit? What is he doing? You see, because if you and I really want to walk in lockstep with God and be aligned with God, our heart needs to be aligned with him. So there needs to be a sorting out of these feelings. There needs to be a, a, a transformation of them. They come and they go. But we need to identify them. Um, 
moving on, and we're going to move right on to this section. It's it, because it really is all about heart. That, that's why Solomon said that. It's about my heart. Guard your heart. Guard my heart. And we need to realize when we're thinking about our heart and we're thinking about guarding it, there's some ways that we can guard it. We can, guys, ways we can protect it so that uh, we don't get into those places where we're uh, making it and then we eventually break it. The first thing we need to realize is that our heart is known by God. So when David cries out in Psalm 13, it's not like God's like, oh, really? I never knew that. I thought you were doing fine. I thought everything. No, he knows it. Our hearts are known by him. And what's amazing is his heart is known by you, or he knows your heart, and he still keeps looking in your direction. Even when you're so upset with him, even when you have all these crazy ideas, you ever try to talk to somebody who's just not thinking reasonably and they got all this stuff in them? Hopefully, I wasn't on the way to car to church today. Hey, there be, but uh, you know, you ever think, and, and you just can't, you you just going like it's no, they're just crazy. They're just not thinking clearly. God knows that all about us, and He still looks in our direction. He knows our hearts. Do not consider his appearance or his hide, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows when you and I are faking it. He knows when that's appropriate for a little while. And he knows when we're crossing the line and whatever that is, feeling is that concept is it's 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 just tearing us up inside Um, again god would surely have known it for he knows the secrets of every heart And, and why is this this so important of course it's important because we want to have a right heart with god we want that to be clear but but it's so important because the reality is you can't fake it until you make it when you go the long heart you, you're gonna break it because our hearts determine the direction of our life back to that story about me with the 15 dollars. i had to go back and explain to my girls why I reacted that way. And, and, and in that, that touched the direction of my life when it comes to my relationship with my daughters. It reminded them that, that dad is not perfect. Dad doesn't think he's perfect because they knew I wasn't perfect. But dad doesn't think he's perfect. And when dad messes up, when dad's not kind, he, he, and he's aware of it, he, he makes it right. And that changed our relationship. Uh, it wasn't a one-time thing, but, but over the years, they, they get that about me. So there's a responsiveness between me and my girls because I, when I'm aware of it, and sometimes I'm not aware of it, believe it or not, where I've messed up is I, is I try to make it right. So, so that whole heart action, handling it right, handling it wrong, does determine the trajectory of one aspect of my life, and that's my relationship with my daughters. So, so this heart stuff isn't just put a Band-Aid over it and forget about it. 
And all these components of life, all these flavors of life, all these nuances of life, they bleed into every place. It's not just separate. We can't compartmentalize it. You know, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So when that light goes off, what do you do with that? When there's some reaction, what do you do with it? When there's just a hint and you go, that came back, that, that thought came from way back. What do you do with it? Because it does affect the direction of our lives. And we want to have our heart in the right place. It affects the direction of our lives, but it also is integral in us hearing from God himself. Our heart is the place we hear God's voice. The impressions of the heart. In Psalm we read, my heart has said, has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. That might have been the little discussion this morning. Baby, it's cold outside. It's four below. Let's just stay home. Let's just listen on YouTube maybe. Yeah, and then you never do. But you can say that, you know, in the moment. You know, let's listen to YouTube. Let's listen, you know, boy, yeah, let's, you know. And, um, but in your heart, he said, come. Get out of bed. Get moving. And that, that happened in your heart. And, and I think that was God's spirit speaking to you. There's, there's lots of ways this transpires. So, so we want to guard our heart because it affects the direction of our lives. We want to guard our heart because that's the place we hear God. So we want to sort that through. We want as, as clean a connection as possible. We want the least amount of static on the line. There'll always be some static. We want the least amount. We want to, sometimes, uh, you know, I remember when we first moved here, I had a cell phone. Well, I always had a cell phone, but moved here and had a cell phone, and we're living out here, and, and the reception stunk at the house we were renting, and I had to go up to the bedroom and literally stand in the corner, and I could talk. If I moved out of that corner, because I'm a, I'm a talker walker, you know, da, 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 and all of a sudden it would go out and I have to come back into the corner. I want the clearness. It still wasn't good, but at least I could have a conversation. That's where our conversations with God take place is in our heart. So we need to guard our heart. We're going to stop with this bottom line tonight, uh, this morning. But an unguarded heart can overpower our most guarded feelings. I have to think about this one a little bit. So if we don't guard our heart, eventually these guarded feelings, these things we're trying to hide from somebody else, these reactions, sometimes this nastiness, sometimes this self-centeredness, if our heart's unguarded, all of a sudden that junk starts to leak out. And so not only does it affect our relationship with God, does it affect us hearing, it also affects the relationships of those around us. So I really would love you to do this exercise this week. And maybe you're already there. But I really would like you to slow down and think about what are my feelings? When did a feeling that surprised me bubble up in my life? Catch me by surprise. Uh, when is there a almost like a low-grade fever of a feeling? 
What is that? What, what is the source of that? Why do I have that? Where does it come from? How am I to integrate that feeling in, into my life of following Christ? What, what, what does it mean? Uh, maybe there's some unfinished business. Maybe there's some pride. I, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I'll never do that. That's not for me. You know, oh, that must be pride. I don't know where you're, but, but what does that feeling mean? Because I, I absolutely believe this, and it, and it was interesting thinking about this all week long. I kept trying to analyze almost every single feeling I had, which couldn't drive you crazy. So, don't, you know, you know, you can, not every, you know, but, you know, I tried to, you know, where did that come from? Is it where, you know, and try to think that through. Because I want to stop putting tape over those warning signals that God has built into my life. Because knowing my heart, functioning out of my heart, which all of us do, does determine our life and our pathways. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feelings, even though sometimes we can't stand them, even though sometimes we wish we could just kind of like surgically remove them from our lives. But we're thankful that feelings say something about what's going on in our heart. And I ask that you would help us not to ignore them. You would help us to investigate what you may be saying to us through the feelings or what you may have said to us a long time ago and we just haven't wanted to listen. And that's why we have that, that, that uh, hitch in our spirit, hitch in our, in our feelings. Father, we thank you for the gift of them. We thank you for how they can help us to navigate through life when we're trying to align ourselves with you. So Lord, I pray for my friends this morning and I ask that we would be people that see the warning lights on the dashboard of our life and respond to them so that uh, we can enjoy you and we can be enjoyed by others around us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.